0: This this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's been a fun Sunday evening spent with you. Not, you know, the show that we were hoping for when we woke up this morning. But it is what it is, right? That's sports. It's, It's unscripted. There was hope, but there was also, you know, some... Realistic knowledge that the uh, magic carpet rides that we enjoy with the Jets and the Giants last week in particular are going to come to an end. Week 15 in the NFL. Well Let's go around the league because a lot of interesting things happen and uh, things in some areas are becoming more clear and in others they are as jumbled as ever. But really some statement wins. The Browns had a statement win and they held on for dear life to get that. But the bottom line is the cleveland browns to beat the bears 20 to 17 and they're now nine and five overall and they're seven and one at home it's always been a fantastic atmosphere in cleveland you talk about passionate fan bases i mentioned earlier how new york and boston and philadelphia are three fan bases that come to mind with all of their passion the cleveland fan especially the cleveland football fan is right in that category so the browns beat the bears who have played much better down the stretch uh, at five and nine. And Justin Fields um, has played better down the stretch also for the Bears. But how about Joe Flacco throwing for 374 yards and two touchdowns, also three interceptions? Flacco, he did what Joe Flacco has done. He throws the ball downfield. And that's going to lead to some mistakes and that's going to lead to some big plays. But who would have thought that Joe Flacco on his couch a month ago? was going to be the linchpin to this season where the Browns with and and their defense got off to such a hot start and then they leveled off a little bit, but their defense got off to such a hot start earlier in the season that um, when they leveled off, people kind of forgot about how good they are. But if you can have an offense that puts points on the board paired with that defense, you could be a dangerous out in the playoffs. And they're now nine and five right now. Their remaining schedule at Houston against the Jets at home and then at Cincinnati. There's a world in which the Browns finish the regular season 12 and 5, which means the Ravens better keep on winning, which fortunately for the Ravens they're doing right now as they lead the Jaguars 23 to 7 with 6 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Ravens seemingly on their way to improving to 11 and 3. We spoke a lot about the Giants Saints game from the Saints perspective though cuz from the big around the big around the NFL picture it's more important from the Saints' perspective. Derek Carr, two eighteen through the air, three touchdowns. New Orleans is seven and seven. They're tied for first place in the NFC South with Tampa. Tampa has the tiebreaker because they beat the Saints, but they play one more time. So currently, New Orleans is on the outside looking in. They're eighth in the wild card picture. Seven teams go to the playoffs in the NFC, but their destiny is in their own hands. They go to the Rams next week, then they're at Tampa. And then they're home for the Atlanta Falcons. The week 17 game in Tampa between the Saints and the Buccaneers is likely going to be for the NFC South Championship. Same with the Jets. We spoke a lot about the Jets, not a ton about Miami. They beat them 30 to nothing without Tyreek Hill, who didn't play with an ankle injury. Hill, by the way, still has a shot, depending on how he recovers from this, still has a shot of 2,000 yards. Now, the extra game that NFL teams now play, the 17th game, certainly will help. But he's at 1,542 yards with three games remaining. So he needs to average over those final three games 153 yards per game to get 2,000 for the season. With the win, Miami improves to 10-4. and They're two games ahead of Buffalo. At the moment, Miami's a half game behind Baltimore. But if the Ravens hold on and win this game over the Jaguars, the Dolphins would fall one full game behind the Ravens. Miami's closing schedule is anything but easy. They host Dallas next week, and Dallas is going to be looking to bounce back from a brutal loss today to the Buffalo. After they host Dallas, the Dolphins go to Baltimore, and then they finish the regular season at home against Buffalo. So the game, week 17, Dolphins at Ravens could be for the number one seed in the AFC. Because right now, Miami's going to be a game behind, but if they beat Baltimore in that game and they finish with the same record, Miami would have the tiebreaker mentioned new Orleans tied for first in the NFC South they're tied for first with Tampa Bay the Buccaneers beat the Packers 34 to 20 rough couple of weeks for the Packers huh they came into MetLife Stadium riding high on Monday and not even a couple of weeks really a rough six day stretch for the Packers they were six and six Jordan Love had turned a corner when they arrived at MetLife Stadium for Monday Night Football last week against the Giants and they were playing the Giants who they should have beaten but the Giants we know what happened They got off to a lead. They gave it up after the Saquon fumble, which Green Bay took advantage of. Tommy Cutlitz drives the Giants downfield. They win that game. And then Green Bay goes on and loses today to Tampa Bay 34-20. So two things at play here. First, Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield very, very quietly. A terrific season. I mean, you got to look at his numbers. First of all, from today, he was 22 for 28. He threw for 381 yards, four touchdowns today, no interceptions, a quarterback rating. Mm Of 158.3. That is the highest you could do. That's a perfect quarterback rating for this game today for Baker Mayfield. For the season, Mayfield has made every start for Tampa. Remember, he had to win the starting job against Kyle Trask in the preseason. This is a former number one overall pick who in the last three years had been on four teams. He was on the Browns. He went to uh, Carolina. He ended up in Los Angeles with the Rams, and now he's with Tampa Bay, and he's having a terrific season. 3,315 yards through the air, 24 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. So Tampa Bay 7-7, first place in the NFC South. They're in the driver's seat. They right now have the tiebreaker over New Orleans because they beat them in their first meeting. But again, those two teams will face off in Tampa in Week 17 the Bucs schedule down the stretch against Jacksonville next week and then that game against the Saints and they finish at Carolina against the Panthers. As for the Packers, they lose these back-to-back games damaging losses to the Giants and the Buccaneers. They're now 6-8. and eight. They're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in in the NFC. Not eliminated yet and their schedule down the stretch isn't terrible. They're at Carolina next week. Then they're at Minnesota. That's going to be a huge game and then Green Bay finishes their season at home against the Bears. The Chiefs and the Pats, as expected, the Chiefs win 27-17. to Wasn't easy. I, I think the days of easy Chiefs wins with this current roster, I think those days are behind them, frankly. Because the Pats, now you got to give the Pats credit for one thing. They've been good on defense this year. They've been a solid defensive team this season. Mahomes 27 out of 37 passing 305 yards two touchdowns two interceptions he was sacked three times it's not going to be easy for the Chiefs the rest of the season but one thing the Chiefs know how to do one very important thing they know how to do is win and they're also a team with the coach and with the quarterback and with the defense and with the pedigree and the tight end they don't care if it's pretty they don't care if they win pretty they know that a win is a win. And look, a lot of teams in the NFL aren't veteran and experienced enough to understand that the Chiefs do. Rasheed Rice continues to emerge as their top wide receiver. The rookie had nine catches for 91 yards. Travis Kelsey, five catches, 28 yards. You know, you're starting to see some concerning signs from Kelsey. He's in his mid thirties. He's had a terrific career. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's a two time Super Bowl champion. But he's also a guy who at that position, the best players at that position, tight end. And it happened recently with Rob Gronkowski, who is as good as almost anyone who ever played that position. They take so many hits throughout their career that at some point the toll catches up to them. And not that they lose it, but you can see a significant decline in their production. And and shortly after that, their effectiveness is done. I'm not putting Travis Kelsey in that category just yet. But there, especially the last couple of weeks, have been some concerning signs that Kelsey could be headed in that direction. I mean, this was a close game at the half. The Chiefs led 14 to 10, but with the win, they are now 9 and 5. They currently occupy the third spot in the AFC, and their schedule finishes, it's not overly taxing. They play the Raiders next week at home, and then the Bengals at home, and then they finish in LA against the Chargers. I was at this game. In Los Angeles today, the Rams and the Commanders. I'm out in L.A. for the Knicks road trip. They played the Clippers last night, and they play the Lakers tomorrow night before they head back to the New York area to take on the Nets on Wednesday. And I caught the Rams-Commanders game at SoFi Stadium today. My partner Monica McNutt and I went out there. My first time ever at SoFi Stadium. It's breathtaking. It really is. I've been to a lot of sporting venues and a lot of cool sporting events I don't think I've ever seen anything in person as far as a stadium or an arena goes like SoFi Stadium. You've seen it on TV a lot. The pictures are very aesthetically pleasing. It really is. It's breathtaking in person. It's huge, it's monstrous. It's covered. I, I don't know if dome is the proper word. It's covered, but it's, you know, a, a sunroof so the sun shines through. It really it was, it cost 5 billion dollars to make. Seeing it in person, it's monstrosity not in a bad way um it, it's grandeur it, it, it really was something as for the game the rams beat the commanders 28 to 20 they were off and running it was 20 to nothing early in the third quarter it was 28 to 7 ron rivera who's in his final weeks as the commander's head coach pulled sam howell put in jacoby Brissett, who actually threw two fourth quarter touchdowns after the game had already pretty much been decided so the rams sean mcveigh What he's doing this year, the Rams head coach, he is reminding a lot of people that he's still a pretty good coach. He won the Super Bowl two years ago. Um, Last year, they took a significant step back. They were in a bad salary cap position because they had loaded up for that Super Bowl championship team. Matthew Stafford was injured. Cooper Cup was injured. Aaron Donald was in and out of the lineup. Von Miller left. So there was bare bones for the Rams last year. And coming into this season, a lot of people thought they might be a team that tanked for the number 1 pick in the draft and to keep Caleb Williams the USC starting quarterback in Los Angeles. They've done anything but. This has been one of Sean McVay's best coaching jobs as they improved to 7 and 7 with the 28 to 20 win Matt Stafford throws for two touchdowns. So the Rams will face the Saints on Thursday, and that's just a huge game because both of those teams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Right now the Rams are in the playoffs. The Saints are out based on the tiebreaker, but that could certainly change with a Saints victory. So the Rams host the Saints on Thursday, and then they're at the Meadowlands on New Year's Eve to play the Giants, and then they finish with a game at San Francisco. Then that could go either way because that game might not mean anything. To the 49ers they might already have the number one seed in the nfc clinched at that point but then the other thing about the 49ers is there's that rivalry between mcveigh and kyle shanahan the two young whippersnappers who have had a lot of success as head coaches in this league within the same division so i don't know i'd find it hard to believe even if that game didn't have great meaning or any meaning to the 49ers in terms of standings I would find it hard to believe that Kyle Shanahan would just gift Sean McVay a victory and a red carpet into the playoffs Um, but right now the Rams are in 7th place in the NFC and the Saints are in 8th. Speaking of the 49ers 45 to 29 winners over the Cardinals it was a tight game in the first half San Francisco pulls away in the second half when they outscored Arizona, 24 to 16 after halftime. So the Niners are 11 and three. They lost three straight games in October, culminating with a 14 point home loss to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And at that point, a lot of people were wondering if the Niners were even going to hold off the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC West. Maybe the Seahawks were primed to take that division from San Francisco. Well, they haven't lost since. And that's coincided with them getting healthy. Christian McCaffrey is healthy. Trent Williams, their all-world offensive lineman, is healthy. Debo Samuel is healthy. When healthy, McCaffrey today ran for 115 yards, scored another touchdown on the ground. Brock Purdy threw for four more touchdowns. When they're healthy, they're the best team in the NFL right now. But oftentimes in the past, they have had that key injury at an inopportune time. So you always have to watch that. By the way, and you'll look if you're into such things. At the gambling sites, either right now or tomorrow morning when they're readjusted. Coming into week 15, the two favorites for NFL MVP, it was a pretty tight race, were Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. You'll look tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're going to wake up in a world in which Brock Purdy, the season after being drafted last in the NFL draft, is the favorite for the most valuable player in the NFL with three weeks to go. Will he hold on? We're not sure. But Brock Purdy mark my words. I mean, I haven't checked this. I would be very certain in saying this right now. He's got to be the favorite to win NFL MVP right now, which is an unbelievable thing, considering he was the last pick in the draft last season. And then lastly, I saved the best for last. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys spoke about this first hour of the show with Alan Hahn. 31-10 loss in Buffalo to a Bills team that has found its stride. I'm not saying is finding its stride. The Bills have found their stride. From the Bills perspective, you just wonder, is it too little too late? Because, yes, they're 8-6. and six. However, they're 8-6 and six in a very, very crowded AFC in which they do not hold many tiebreakers. But the Bills on their home field, in the elements, rain, teeming rain in western New York. Beat up on the Cowboys 31-10, to and I mean beat up on the Cowboys. They just ran it down their throats. James Cook, 25 carries, 179 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Josh Allen, the elements played a factor here. Allen only threw the ball 15 times. He didn't even throw for 100 yards through the air. As for Dak's MVP campaign, it took a significant hit as he threw for just 134 yards, did not throw a touchdown, and threw an interception. So the Cowboys, they've already clinched a spot in the playoffs. They're 10-4. and four. Buffalo, a huge win for them to keep them alive in the AFC. But for the Cowboys, here come all the questions again. Look at Dallas's schedule this season, and it is a fair question to ask who exactly have they beaten because they have just whooped up on the bad teams in the NFL, and they've had trouble with the top teams except for last week when they took it to the Eagles, and you thought maybe they turned the corner after that game, and then today against the Bills, another good team, they take a big step back, and they're also a team that struggles on the road, but here's their schedule. We know about opening night against the Giants. They beat them 40 to nothing. They beat the Jets 30 to 10. They lost to the Cardinals, so that's kind of the one anomaly here. Of what we're talking about, a loss to a bad team. But they beat the Patriots thirty-eight to three. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Rams forty-three to twenty when the Rams were all beat up in the middle of the season. They beat the Giants again forty-nine to seventeen. They beat the Panthers thirty-three to ten. They beat the Commanders forty-five to ten. They held off the Seahawks forty-one thirty-five. And then last week's win thirty-three to thirteen at home against the Eagles. So that was a huge step forward. And this was not as big a step back, but certainly a step back with their performance against the Bills in their 31-10 to 10 loss in Buffalo. And the schedule for the Cowboys, not easy the next two weeks. They are at Miami next Sunday, um, and then they host the Lions on the 30th of December, and then they're at Washington to finish the regular season. So Dallas still neck and neck with Philadelphia for the nfc east title the eagles schedule coming down the stretch is much easier than dallas's schedule down the stretch i just mentioned the cowboys eagles still have to play tomorrow they're in seattle to take on the seahawks and we don't know if jalen hurts is going to play yet but interesting thing to keep an eye on for the cowboys down the stretch because the cowboys are one of those teams successful in the regular season they haven't had that success in the postseason and it's almost nothing they can do in the regular season will mean a whole lot until they prove it in the postseason a couple other games the texans are now eight and six and they are in contention for the afc south championship with the jaguars who are going to lose tonight to the ravens so both of those teams will be eight and six after that game The Texans get a walk off field goal in overtime to beat the Titans, who fall to five and nine. And the Panthers pick up their second win, nine to seven, over the Falcons, who fall to six and eight. How about the Falcons? They come into this game at six and seven, not with the tiebreaker, but in a three way tie for the division lead in the NFC South. And the Falcons, their best opportunity for a win between now and the end of the season. And they blow that opportunity, losing to the Panthers by a score of nine to seven so that's week 15 in the nfl of course the monday night game tomorrow between the eagles and the seahawks in seattle as the eagles will look to move a game ahead of the cowboys in the NFC East. speaking of the NFC East, some reaction from the giants 24 to 6 loss in new orleans your thoughts and calls 1-800-919-3776 as we'll open the phones back up here on a sunday night late night on 98.7 espn new york
0: This is the Pat O'Keefe Show.
1: Sunday afternoon of losses for New York's two local football teams. The Jets officially eliminated from the playoffs, losing in Miami 30 to nothing. The Giants 24 to 6 loss in New Orleans, not officially eliminating them, but basically eliminating them from playoff contention with two of their final three games coming up against the Philadelphia Eagles. For the Jets, the reality that this season that started with so much hope and anticipation and excitement and really a a new era with a superstar quarterback, a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers unfortunately saw its official demise today. As for the 13th consecutive season, the Jets will not be part of the NFL playoffs DJ Reed and others spoke about that afterwards here's Reed on the team staying motivated after officially being eliminated
0: I mean it's hard to be honest I'm not gonna sit here and say like oh we're gonna be motivated every week you know not knowing I mean no we're not going to the playoffs it's very tough to say like hey man like keep your mind Keep it a championship week, but you know that is the mindset that I have. You know it's a dedication. You know before I like go into the season, you know I really sacrifice everything for this game. You know it's to finish the 17 games that I'm given, and you know if I go to the playoffs, that's a blessing. That's what we want to do. But you know I still you know signed that contract, and you know I made an oath to you know finish those 17 on my term and to to be deliberate every day and to work hard to do that.
1: Zach Wilson left the game in the second quarter today. And I don't know. Maybe it's the last time we see Zach Wilson in a Jets uniform. Trevor Simeon came on. He was not effective. It was a concussion that knocked Zach from the game in the second quarter. Is it the last we saw of him in a Jets uniform? Hard to say. And then there's also the Aaron Rodgers factor. Reports that Rodgers could be cleared to play. Like, play in next week's game. He could be cleared sometime this week. Something that Robert Sala was asked about after today's loss. I don't have any. There's no discussion to be had until he's actually cleared. All right. Well, there you go. We will obviously be monitoring that this week because, frankly, there's not much else to monitor regarding the Jets over the final three weeks of the season. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go back to the phones. Dennis in South Jersey checks in. What's up, Dennis?
0: Hi. How you doing tonight? I'm, I'm glad you took my call. I was I was talking to a producer about the Jets. You know. You're right. There was a lot of promise with the Aaron Rodgers thing, and, and, and I and I understand that. But, you know, watching the games today and watching a couple of these games, like, close, I just don't know how they could bring back Robert Sowers, the head coach. And, and I, you know, he never did Zach Wilson any favors. I mean, he never brought an adequate coordinator in here to build an offense that's due to his skills. I mean, other – like, here's another thing. Like, you got other head coaches – that will sit coordinators down and say, look, we're making a change. And this guy just doesn't want to make any other coordinator changes. He doesn't want to, like, and I understand, well, you don't want to get Aaron Rodgers upset, but you know what? You're still the head coach of the team. You know, you still have a responsibility to the other players on this team to have somebody that could run an offense properly. And, you know, I know he's a defensive minded guy, and I just think he's one of these defensive coaches they're just not equipped to run a team offensively. And and I just think it's time. I think that they have to start looking at somebody who's more offensive-minded. And I think it'd be easier to get rid of Salah and the head coach. And this way Hackett goes, too. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have to live with that. What do you think about that?
1: Dennis, It's my honest opinion is that it's easier said than done. I mean especially with Kansas. especially with Hackett. Especially with Hackett, it's easier said than done.
0: But as an owner of the franchise, okay, and look at the like don't, you gotta remember something here. Rogers isn't here and they have this five and nine record. He he would have been all but gone. And okay, so now they run the whole crew back next year, right? And Rogers gets them to the playoffs, right? And then Roger says, you know what, I'm done. I proved that I can come back from this injury. I'm done. Now, would do you fire them all next year? I'd rather kind of get the ball rolling now. Because when Rogers decide to go into the sunset and they got a coach at least as offensive-minded, we might be able to, like, you know, build something from there. That, that's my point. I'm just saying it. Just say, I mean, don't you think that Salad has – the team's kind of quitting on him a little bit? I don't know,
1: Dennis, and thanks for the call, if they're quitting on him. Um, I don't think they're very good. I, I think when when you have a unit like the offensive line that just can't protect and it can't keep your quarterback upright, it just makes the entire franchise look crummy. It makes the franchise look like they're not trying. It looks the makes the players look like they're not trying. The players are trying. The defense is trying. I know the defense gave up 30 points today, but Miami only amassed 290 yards. There's some games where Tyree Kill himself almost gets 290 yards. I don't think it's a matter of their quitting on Robert Sala, but the questions about Robert Sala as a head coach are still very fair. Robert Sala is a good defensive coach. He was a good defensive coach in San Francisco as a coordinator. He was 10 minutes away from helping the 49ers win a Super Bowl. While holding down Patrick Mahomes as a head coach with the jets, they have had a top defense last year and they're even better this season. But as a head coach, you're responsible for more than just the defense. You're responsible for the offense. You're responsible for the special teams. You're responsible for the discipline and cutting down on the stupid penalties. You're responsible for setting the tone. You're responsible for setting the culture. And in most of those latter areas that I just pointed out outside of defense, in most of those areas, Robert Sala, as a head coach, has come up short. His record, 16-32, and 2-13 and 13 in the months of December and January. Those numbers warrant that it's very reasonable for the Jets to decide to move on from Robert Sala after this season. And Nathaniel Hackett's a completely different story altogether. We know why he's here. We knew why he was here when they hired him. We know why he's here right now, and we know why he's probably going to be here next season as the offensive coordinator. Everything I said about Salah, despite that, the Jets are in a very tricky spot with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, for a guy who has played all of four snaps for this franchise holds an unbelievable amount of influence within that franchise. And he is going to have a say in how the hierarchy of this franchise is constructed next season. If he wants Salah back, Salah's probably going to be back. You already know he wants Hackett back, and he's going to be back because Aaron Rodgers holds the trump card. He can say, I'm out. Now, he's probably not going to, but Aaron Rodgers – Look at him throughout his career. He's a guy who, in his later years in Green Bay, has been difficult almost every offseason. It was like an annual thing of January and February. Will he come back? Won't he come back? Is he going to move on? Is he going to retire? Is he going to demand a trade? Is he going to resign? It happened every year. He was high maintenance in the offseason. He wanted things done his way. And guess what? He usually won he usually got things his way because the great players can do that. He's still a great player. He's going to want things his way this off season, and he's most likely going to get that. The one thing we need to know: what does he want? That's the one thing we're not sure of. Does he want Salah back? Does he want Hackett back? Probably. Does he want a new general manager? So I, my my gut tells me that Rogers was happy here. I think he liked the way that the organization was set up, basically. And how could you not? Everybody catered to him. Basically, the organization all caters to him. This is before the injury. And I think he likes that. And I don't think he's, again, this is not having had any conversations with Aaron Rodgers. My feeling is that he's not going to want wholesale changes. So while it's entirely fair to question the job that Robert Sala has done as the head coach, I also think you have to be prepared For him to return this coming season i had the same exact conversations by the way at the end of the baseball season with yankee fans yankee fans be prepared brian cashman's gonna be back next year and it's looking more and more like aaron boone's gonna be back next year those were things i said in late august and early september and guess what they're both still here we'll get some reaction from the giants after their season ending loss in a curious season ending loss, excuse me. It wasn't a season ending loss, (laughs) not officially anyway, but a curious. We'll also talk about a curious coaching decision in Philadelphia ahead of the Monday night game tomorrow. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: This this is the Pat O'Keefe show.
1: So the Giants fall to five and nine, three games remaining, two against the Eagles. One against the Rams. The Rams game will be home New Year's Eve at MetLife Stadium. 24-6 to was the final score down in New Orleans against the Saints. A huge win for the Saints as they stay very much alive for a playoff spot in the NFC. and A division title, perhaps, in the NFC South. But the Giants, it was just a tough game overall. Um, three-game winning streak ended with a thud. And the biggest part of this to me was they didn't have... The benefit today of playing, A, an awful team, or B, the emotion of the home crowd, which they enjoyed on Monday night against Green Bay. I mean, the three-game winning streak was nice. It put some juice back into this giant season because at 2-8, and eight, when they took the field last month against the Commanders, the there was very, very little worth watching that giant season. But they won that game against a horrible Washington team. And then they won the next week in an ugly game against a horrible New England team. But you don't throw those wins back. There were two wins. The Tommy DeVito story started to get some legs. It is a thrill for a local kid from New Jersey. Don Bosco Prep grew up in the shadow of MetLife Stadium and Giants Stadium to one day grow up and be the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. I mean, that's literally the stuff that dreams are made of. And people rallied around that, and it was cool. And then what happened on Monday night, The Tommy DeVito phenomenon started to get some legs. The team started to get some confidence. They also started to get a little healthier. The offensive line started playing better. The defense since October has been really good for the Giants today, notwithstanding against the Saints and they jumped out to a lead against the Packers. They nearly gave it away because of a rare miscue by one of their best players, Saquon Barkley. And then it was Tommy DeVito's time to shine. And when Tommy DeVito's career is done, whenever that may be, the last drive against the Green Bay Packers may be the highlight of his career. It might be. And you know what? That's a greater highlight than 99% of people who ever grow up playing football. We don't know what Tommy is going to be. One thing that he could be, though, is he could be a solid backup quarterback in the NFL which is something you would not have thought he could even be when he assumed this position I mean the first time we saw him in a regular season game was that debacle against the Jets when Brian Dayball didn't even trust DeVito to throw the football think of how far he has come since that day but unfortunately for the Giants the Saints are not an awful team and this game was on the road and there wasn't a jacked up primetime Monday night football home crowd to help the Giants through like there was last week against the Packers. The offensive line didn't hold up. DeVito was sacked seven times. Saquon Barkley was bobbled up just nine rushes, just 14 yards on the ground. DeVito's numbers, he didn't turn the ball over again, didn't throw any picks, 20 for 34 for 177 yards, but at no point did the Giants offense ever advanced the football inside the 20-yard line of the Saints, and that's just non-competitive football. And it adds up to a 24-6 to Giants loss in New Orleans. Here's Brian Dayball afterwards. What went wrong out there today?
0: Yeah, I'd say
1: collectively just not good enough. Um, pretty much take any area. Just uh, wasn't good enough. Give them credit. They, they did well. Um, we're efficient in the pass game. We weren't really efficient in the pass game. You know, the runs really, the quarterback zone reads were really all that was, was going. I think Saquon had nine for 14 or somewhere around there. Couldn't get the run game going. Had a number of sacks. So, again, they were pretty efficient. 2-2, 6-12 on third down, 2-2 in the red zone. So, collectively, just, uh, you know, it wasn't good enough. Tommy DeVito riding high coming in after being named the NFC's Offensive Player of the Week spoke about his performance. Average. uh, Two throws on one back for sure. But, um, like I said, just need to be that spark for the offense and just get us to score points more. What are the two throws so that you wanted to more. Uh, The first one in the game to Slayton, and then one to Waller on the right side in the fourth quarter. Overall, though, DeVito unable to get the Giants into the end zone, unable to get them into the red zone. What did the Saints do to slow him down?
0: Nothing too crazy. Um, we just lacked execution
1: on offense. We weren't good on third downs. Uh, we have to be better. Um, I don't think we played in one enough swagger, and I, I put that on me because I'm like, you know, I take that personally. As far as playing with energy, playing with juice, um, so I need to be better with that. He was all about swagger and energy and juice the last three games. It continued to grow as the wins progressed, but it came to a halt, a screeching halt, you might say, in New Orleans against the Saints earlier today, a 24 to 6 loss. Now, where are the Giants right now in their season? At five and nine, and with three games, three difficult games remaining. It's hard to say one important thing, I think, that came out of this season for the Giants. And I'll talk about that next here on 98.7 ESPN, New York.